I think if you look at the words and you sing it carefully, um, it's okay. But the background of that song is it's an amillennialist song. That means that the writer of that song uh, does not believe in the tribulation and the second coming of Christ. And they think that what is going to bring in and usher in the thousand year reign of Christ is the church and that the second coming and that um, the tribulation period happened 2000 years ago. Now, say all that. Most of those songs, the words in that song that we need to spread the, the gospel to the nations of the world is a good thing. And so I think as long as as long as you keep that that focus that we need to get the, the message of the gospel out, uh, we could sing those words. But we just have to realize that we as the church are to work and building fruit worthy of the kingdom and bringing people into the kingdom. But the thousand year reign of Christ is ultimately going to be started and began by Jesus Christ when he physically returns and steps down on planet earth and his physical Jesus Christ is physically really coming back to this earth. And so I'm not, um, I'm just saying we, uh, we need to know, be able to take a little bit of signs of some of these things. There's a, there's another song that we like uh, that's very similar to it in its message. And that's we're marching to Zion and it's it's got a similar thing. I don't have a I don't have a problem with us singing that song. I just like us to kind of understand the background and and that we are a church that believes that Jesus Christ is going to call the church home in a literal rapture, and that there's going to be a seven year literal tribulation here on the earth, and that will end by Jesus Christ physically coming back to the earth. And conquering the Antichrist and his world system. And will set up a literal thousand year kingdom here on this earth. Uh, just like the Bible says in the book of Revelation. And just kind of wanted to say it. It has very little with what I wanted to talk about tonight. Um, <coughs> tonight, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis 25. As we talk about, we're talking about deception through the Bible. And last two weeks, I've talked about some heavy stuff with uh, the Tamar incident and the Dinah incident. And we're not going to go down that same type of road tonight. Um, I know my wife was going, oh boy, when we were talking about that stuff the last two weeks. We're going to change our topic, but we're still talking about deception through the Bible. And truth wins over the lie. And we've got deception out there. And I, I was thinking about this weekend, we had the Heath brothers in, and their dad told the story about, you remember if you were here, you heard the story about baby A and baby B, right? You, you heard that, and that was a nice little story. Uh, we talked to baby A afterwards, and we talked and talked and talked to him. And I still think that baby A is stealing all the nutrients from baby B because he's got all the energy. That's what we, me and my wife discovered as we were heading home uh, from the concert. But 
before that, I was thinking about an example. Um, the kids in school, they talk about, uh, there's one girl at school that talks about how she was a twin, but the second twin is gone. And, um, you know, her sister didn't make it. And so they kind of joke around that she ate her twin in the womb. And, and <laughs> I know, right? That's just... Wow, but she brings it up about once a month or something. I hear that at school about how she ate her twin in the womb. And just got to watch out for that girl. Cause, But anyways, um, we get to the story of Jacob and Esau. Genesis chapter 25 is where we're going to look today. And in Genesis chapter 25, it says in verse 22, The children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. And we know that when those boys were born. When they came out, one was came right along behind the other, grabbed the heel of the other, and became known as Jacob and Esau. And in this story that we're going to talk about tonight, oh boy, I forgot to delete all my other notes, Matt. Usually I do that ahead of time. I think I'm going to get there. There we go. We're going to talk about a story about coveting. And today, I'd like us to consider this guy by the name of Jacob. I love the story of Jacob in the Bible. And I always, whenever I meet somebody with that name, their child, Jacob, I always think, um, I hope their goal is the story of grace that happened. And they're not naming their their son, Jacob, like uh, Jacob's parents did, because the Guy's name means heel grabber, deceiver, supplanter. If you look up what his word, his name actually means, it means to supplant. If you're going down a row of green and you're planting green beans and you, you plant them and you cover them over, you plant it, cover it over. The word Jacob means to come along behind and pull up your dad's green beans and put carrots in its place. That's what the guy's name means, supplanter. To take out what you have planted and put something else in. Heel grabber. Deceiver. <clears throat> and that's who he is. And you look at it in the Bible. And that's the guy he becomes for the first part of his life. But God did a great work of changing him. And sometimes we meet rascals when they're young. But God gets a hold of them and can use them in a great and mighty way. It might take 20 years of their life for them to figure it out. It might take 40 years of their life for them to figure it out. Maybe it took God 50 years to get a hold of you. But God can. Don't ever give up on anybody. And as we look at this story of Jacob, 
he really begins as this guy whose life is characterized by his name. If you were walking down the road and you had Jacob following behind you, he's the kind of guy that would come up behind you and kick your foot out from underneath you. You ever have a brother like that? That was Jacob. He was the guy who would deceive, work mischief. But God had a plan for him, and God was going to change him. And as we see in Genesis chapter 25, verses 25 to 34, it says, The first came out red. He was like a, like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. After his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob, the heel grabber. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Now Jacob cooked the stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please Feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I am about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew and lentils. And he ate and drank and arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And so in this this story here, we see that Esau sells his birthright to Jacob for food. Jacob's the kind of guy who takes advantage of his brother when he's having a rough day. And he says, Jacob, he says to Esau, Esau comes in and he says, Jacob, I'm starving. I'm about to die. Please give me some of that soup. And his brother says, yeah, I'll give you this bowl of soup if you'll sell it to me for your birthright. And Esau agrees. And I just think about that. And, and I had some questions about this. That I thought to myself, Esau came in from being in the field, from, from hunting or working the field, and he was exhausted. And he, he says to his brother, please, please give me a bowl of soup. I'm about to die. So I, I did a little bit of research into this. I looked into this, and... Extra-biblical sources say that when it talks about hunting here and him coming in from the field, that doesn't mean that he was out like hunting for deer or, or working in a field, that it probably had to do with the fact that he was a warrior. And you look at when Jacob comes back 
from being with Laban. And Esau is coming to meet him. He's got like an army with him. So there, there is some biblical support of that, that Esau, when he's coming in from the field, is, is doing more than just being exhausted from a long day out of hunting or working in the field or, or whatever it is, that he had come back from a battle, that he was exhausted, and he was near death because he had just been fighting against men. Um, I've looked at Genesis chapter 25, and in preparing this, I did word studies to find out if that was the case and if I could prove that from the biblical text, and I could not. So what I'm saying is, is that there are people out there who have studied extra biblical sources and looked into this and said that that might be the case. I, I went through, I looked at this, searched it out in the Hebrew, and I can't prove that to you. But I suggest that this was a very, very terrible day for Esau. And Jacob took advantage of that. And we're talking about deception. And my, my thought is, is that when you are at your most vulnerable, like Esau, sometimes even a family member can do something to take advantage of you. And you need to be aware and prepared because that may happen. You may have a Jacob come into your life who may try to deceive you, take, take something from you um, that they shouldn't be looking and trying to take. So you need to be vigilant. You need to be going back to the word of God. You need to be talking to Christian brothers and sisters, uh, looking for advice from more than one source, looking for help because you have people out there who may be looking for an easy target, and a simple way to earn a quick buck. And Jacob was a guy who looked for and took advantage of people uh, when he found the opportunity. Let's look at Genesis chapter 27. In Genesis chapter 27, this guy, Jacob, the supplanter, the deceiver, finds his own father to be a good mark. Because it says in Genesis chapter 27 and verse 1, <clears throat> Now it came to pass... When Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, that he called Esau, his older brother, and said to him, My son. And he said, Here am I. So as this story, as this thing begins, Isaac is old. He's not seeing the best. His faculties are are diminished and he he wasn't as wise as he used to be and Jacob and his wife Rebecca took advantage of that and as the story continues in verses 5 to 7 it says now Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau his son and Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it so Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. So what I look here and as I see what's going on is I see a mother 
and a son conspiring against this easy mark, Isaac. Uh, could you imagine? But the truth of the matter is, does that happen? Yeah. And we need to be careful. We need to, as Christians, we need to be vigilant because even a family member, a cousin, a brother, a sister, a son, a nephew, a daughter could lie, deceive, cheat, and steal to try and take advantage of us. We live in a world where people are cursed by a sin nature. And everyone around us has a sin nature. Now, now, it's very hard because we as Christians, we want, we desire to be compassionate, to, to be trusting, to love, to go out of our way, to be merciful. But at the same time, there's a world out there that wants to steal, to destroy, to ruin, to rob. And all I can tell you is that the best thing that you can do is to be carefully involved in prayer about these things. You need to be praying to God. God, there's a need. I want to help. I want to make a difference. I want to be there. I want to be a good testimony of you. But at the same time, I do not want to be taking advantage of inappropriately. Please help. And you need to communicate with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You need to be talking to them because who knows even somebody in your own family can be trying to take advantage of you. In verse nine, Rebecca is having a conversation with Jacob and they're making this plan, this scheme of, <coughs> of how they're going to, uh, how they're going to trick Isaac and Esau and she says go now to the flock and bring bring me from there according to what I command go go now there and bring two choice kids of the goats and I will make savory food for them for your father such as he loves then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death so the next thing I see in this story, after the fact that um, his family was trying to con him, is that Jacob and Rebecca they used food. They tried to get in the door, and, and we're going to bring them a meal, and we're going to do all these nice things for them. But in the back of their mind, they're plotting and planning and scheming of the, the wicked thing that they were going to do to, their, to her husband, his father to their brother and son. The next thing that I noticed in this story of how uh, Jacob and Rebecca deceive Isaac 
and Esau comes from verse 16. But let's let's look and let's start reading in verse 11. It says, And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Look, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am smooth skinned. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall see shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her eldest son Esau, which (coughs) which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, my father. And and as I look at this and I read this, I go to, I've often said to myself, I said, what? Esau must have been a really hairy guy in order for them to have to put the, this sheepskin on him in order to trick Isaac. And I've always said to kids, I said, I said, I think this is like me and my brother because I, I, I remember growing up um, looking at my brother. I think he had like two hairs on his arms, and um, my arms have like a blanket, I guess, in the winter time and everything. So I guess I can relate to how you could have one brother with smooth skin and another one with hairy skin. And uh, I've had guys say to me over the years, they said, oh, I've got hairy arms. You probably got nothing. And I said, I've always compared. I've never found anybody that had arm hair quite as hairy as mine. And I, you probably didn't want to know that at all. <laughs> but, but anyways, <laughs> but one of the things that that I thought about that is I thought to myself, that's nothing like a sheepskin. Man, how hairy must Esau have been? And and how this could have tricked his father. I, But, wow, quite the thing. But as you look at that, in verse 16, I see that Rebekah and Jacob played with Isaac's feelings. They tugged on his heart. Man, as I read that, I see, and my heart breaks for Isaac. Because I see it's his family that's trying to con him. That they use food. They play with his feelings and emotions. To lure him in. And I, I just see this in the world today. And what the devil is going about doing. He wants to trap us. He wants to use these things. I, I see there's some young people in this room. That's what the devil's going to try to do to them. He's going to try and steal their hearts, play with tug on their emotions, try and grab right a hold of them. But we need to be praying for him. Some of us here in this room who love the Lord, who have been living for him, People are going to come into our lives and they're going to try and tug on, on our hearts and play with your mom. may even be a family member. And how do we keep from 
being deceived, from being stolen from, from a family being destroyed. Then in verse 17, say, a deceiver does what is natural and he lies. He goes in in verse 17 and 18. He goes into there and goes to see his father. It says, then she gave him savory food, which she had prepared into the hand of Jacob. So in verse 18, it says, so he went into his father and said, my father. And he pretended to be Esau. He lied. He was the deceiver and he did what was natural. And he went in and lied to his dad. And someone who is not a Christian, who is not a born again Christian. If they do not know Jesus Christ. They are going to do what is natural. And they are going to sin. It's part of their nature. And I know that our hearts are broken when, when we have a loved one who doesn't know Christ. And we're trying to tell them that there's a better way to live. And life with Christ is different. And it can change your world. But if they do not know Jesus Christ, eventually they're going to come back to what's natural. They're going to fall. They're going to become prey to the sin that easily ensnares them. What the world needs is Jesus Christ. As Christians, we talk about being born again. It's what we're going to talk about next week on Sunday morning. What it means to be born again. New life in Christ. And Jesus Christ makes that change in your life. And someone who's not a Christian, who doesn't know Jesus Christ, they might pretend to act like they have new life in Christ. They might pretend like, like they're on the straight and narrow and headed down the right path. But if they don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, eventually they're going to act like someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You can only fake it for so long. A deceiver does what is natural. A sinner does what is natural. And that sin will come out. Verses 22 and 23. As we continue in the story, actually, let's read back in verse 18. It says, and he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to him, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit and eat of my game. That you, your soul, may bless me. But Isaac said to him, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Isaac said to Jacob, please come near me that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to, his, to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, 
The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau's. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. As you look at that, you see Isaac didn't listen to his God-given instincts. It's almost like, like God, the Spirit of God was sitting there saying to Isaac, Isaac, hey, something's not right here. And he says, you, you sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. And he said, Dad, I'm Esau. He lied. Let's call it like it is, right? He deceived his father. He lied to his father. He stole the blessing. And, I, and his father said, something's not right here. But he didn't listen to what God was telling him in his heart. Now, as we see in God's bigger picture and in his plan, he wasn't finished with Jacob. And he was going to pull on Jacob's heart and he was going to change this guy's life. But that's later on down the road. Because Jacob blesses, or Isaac blesses Jacob. And Jacob gets the blessing. And after that, Esau comes in and says, Dad, what's happened? And in verse 33, after Esau has come in and said, Dad, what's going on here? In verse 33, it says, Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate of it before you came. And I have blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. Look in verse 46. It said, And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to the end? As I, I look at the way this story turned out and what happened here, I see just a family, a father and a mother whose hearts are broken. Family that's been destroyed because of this sin and deception and the result was a broken heart. And it just didn't affect Isaac like emotionally, he actually trembled as he realized that his his son had deceived him, had lied to him, and had stolen the blessing that was due to Esau. We need to be careful. And as I look and see the result of this, what happened in verse 41 it says, So Esau hated Jacob 
because of the blessings with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand, then I will kill my brother Jacob. Do you see what sin leads to? Sin and deception and lies. Broken hearts. Broken families. Lives torn in two. It's not worth it. There's a lot of people out there who think that they can get ahead by just a little bit of cheating, a little bit of lying, a little bit of stealing. Look at the end result here. The deception just breaks your heart. And there's trouble, trouble, trouble. A story about coveting. Jacob, I believe, was envious of his brother in the position that he held with his father. And that led to deception, led to lies, which led to Jacob deceiving his father. His father's heart was broken. Esau was ready to kill Jacob. Mom was someplace in the middle. Just the whole family fell apart. You know, our our adversary, the devil, he's a liar. He's the great deceiver. He's the author of deception. Start right back at the garden. What he wants us, what he wants people to do is believe the lie. And we need to be vigilant to listen to the Spirit of God, to let God change us, to be actively involved in prayer. I brought this, brought these series of stories up because I've just seen so many people in my life who have fallen prey to someone telling a lie and I don't think it's going to stop I don't think it's going to slow down and so tonight I talk about this story of a family you need to be in prayer because this could happen in your family this year Lies, deception, coveting, anger, hatred, lives broken, families hurt. We need to be praying. We need to be listening to the Spirit of God. If God begins to say something into your ear, listen to it. Ask questions. Go and get wise counsel from other friends. Let God be the author of of your decisions. Let him lead the way. Be very, very careful. I think it's very important for us to do that. You know the best part? This story is terrible. This story should break the heart of each and every parent in this room to think that something like this could go on in a family. 
You know the best part about this, this though? Is that God changed Jacob's life. And you get to the end of his life and Jacob's got a whole different relationship with his God. And God grabs a hold of him and changes him. So that by the end, he's no longer the deceiver. He's no longer this, this supplanter. He is Israel. The prince of God. He who strives with God. He was a man who had a relationship with God. A life that was changed. And so maybe somebody in your family has deceived you, has has robbed you, has done you wrong, and there is anger, there is hatred, there is malice between you and a family member. Doesn't mean that God's done. God could still have a Jacob story playing in that situation. Let's pray. Dearly Father, I thank you that we can come here tonight and that we can hear this story of Jacob and Esau and think about the deception and the lies that took place there. And Lord, I just pray that you'll help us to heed, heed the advice that we see in that, in that passage of Scripture. Lord, we pray that You'll help us when something doesn't seem right, that we might go to you in prayer, that we might seek wise Christian counsel. Keep us, protect us from being robbed or deceived by a family member. And Lord, we pray that if there's, we have a family member like Jacob, that you will do something drastic like you did in the life of Jacob. Grab a hold of their life and change them and, and make them into something new. So we, only, we know that the only way the natural man, the sinful man, can have his life changed is by the blood of Jesus Christ and his power to save. Change our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.